It was a time when pro wrestling was a pop culture phenomenon. Talk about your songs, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Pay-per-view quality matches live on free TV every Monday night. Monday, July 6th. Back at the battle between WCW Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! What? It's me, Austin! It was me all along, Austin! This is Reliving the War with Simon Tackler and Nims Azul. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother! Welcome, everyone, to another big edition of Reliving the War, live and exclusive on the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network. My name is Nim Sazor, joined, as always, by my tag team partner, Simon Tackler. This is the podcast where we relive the Monday Night Wars. Uh, we suffered a little bit with the most recent WCW pay-per-view, the Great American Bash, and uh, we got a special guest in, Jack Trainer, who was very gracious to sit through one of the most awful WCW pay-per-views of 1999. And Simon, I don't know about you, but I still, in hindsight, and even after listening back, I can't believe how garbage WCW 99 was. And we're not even at the pits of it yet either. No, we're not at the pits of that. But I can say that, you know, we made poor Jack sit through that show and it was terrible. I think karma got us back because this might be and, and I know we usually praise these WWE shows. This might be the worst WWE show we've reviewed, or for me anyway, it's in the bottom three. I always remember this show not being good. This gives WCW a run for its money in the worst way. I also, uh, I had a lot of nostalgia feels with this one, like the opening and everything like that. And we'll get into it in just a bit, but you're right. The bar was just set so high. Like this mm. was probably... By all means, this wasn't WCW levels of bad. You don't feel like you've wasted your time watching this. But compared to King in the Ring 1998, because we can almost do a direct one-to-one, this doesn't cut the mustard. Not at all. Not at all. Or or even compared to King of the Ring 1997, this isn't as good. No, Um, definitely not. This has nothing going for it. And it's funny too, because we talk about like all of the other King of the Rings. Like When you talk of King of the Ring as a whole... Everyone remembers something from like be it Bret Hart winning the first one, Austin 316, Triple H. Uh, like everyone always, even that itself is one of the lowest in the in the terms of memorable King of the Rings. 97 still has something because it's when Triple H won. 98, obviously the Hell in a Cell. 2000, we'll get onto in a bit with Kurt Angle and the rise of that. But 1999 is such a blink and you miss it. Nothing happens, but... It's so strange because it is one of the major tentpole stories. It's almost the climax of Austin versus McMahon, isn't it? It is in a way. It's a huge chapter there, especially with what's on the line in the main event. It's Austin versus Shane and Vince McMahon for control and who be you know who's going to be CEO. But in terms of the King of King of the Ring itself, this is an infamous year though because the winner Billy Gunn would go on to become a joke. of a king of the ring you know whether it was the rocks promo where he absolutely destroyed him the god promo um or edge Edge the next year or sorry two years saying i'm not gonna billy gun this rain or whatever (laughs) it's infamous in the worst way 
And unfortunately, it wasn't one of those things where, oh, but, you know, he had a great night and then things went off the rails. No, this was not a good night for anyone in the tournament. Yeah, very much so. Let's get straight into it because we'll start off with a very unique video package. Vince is the higher power. This is a lot has moved on since the last time. And in, and in retaliation to that, Stephanie and Linda have made Stone Cold Steve Austin CEO of the WWF. We've got ourselves a cool little intro that sort of puts... It, it's When you watch it, it's very amusing because it kind of like puts Shane on the pedestal. Uh, sorry, not Shane. It sort of puts Vince on the pedestal of like, you know, like a like a Richard Nixon or one of those sort of shady leaders and Austin like Martin Luther King, <laughs> which is so bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the intro. They've done this a few times where they do the political thing. We saw it in 98 as well. This one really pushed it further. Did you notice they um sort of, I don't know, whatever the old word for like, it was like a deep fake or whatever. They redubbed yeah. the famous quotes where, you know, like even JFK, he's, you know, not what, don't ask what you can do for you, your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. They changed it to company because yep. it's all about the WWE. And they did that with yeah. a few famous political quotes. Very weird. I love how important they made wrestling storyline seem though. I think it's a good thing, you know? sell it to oh. us tell us how important this is and you know it's it's such a contrast to what wcw were doing a hundred percent and because they went all in with the effort here and really put a narrative in these video packages but um uh we then open up with a quick recap of what happened on sunday night heat which saw ken shamrock get attacked by steve blackman um jr and king then um showed uh, throw to Michael Cole, who is standing outside Mr. McMahon's locker room. Another narrative is that Shane McMahon isn't fit to compete for the main event handicap ladder match. That would be a reoccurring theme throughout the story. But from that, we then get to... Actually, you got anything to say about our little opener there, Simon? Not really. I thought it was weird that they were recapping what happened on Heat on the start of this pay-per-view. But the Shane McMahon part would be a thread that runs through the show. I thought they kind of double doubled up here with having a Shane injury and a Ken Shamrock injury storyline going together, but I don't think they needed both. But yeah, no. I will say I did time this. So it was four minutes before a match started. Still mm -hmm. quicker than the WCW <laughs> average of time wasting at the start of a pay-per-view. And there's actually multiple chains in that four minutes mm, as well. Yeah. So, but um. Uh, it's our first round of King of the Ring matches, which is Hardcore Holly versus X-Pac. Um, I love how JR Stills call, refers to Hardcore Holly as Bob Holly. It's one of the few th cool things. Like, he used to always call Triple H Helmsley, despite the fact that, you know, they'd done their little rebrands. The crowd really does love X-Pac. Like, we can't get over. When people say X-Pac heat, they've never seen 1999 X-Pac and how much people loved him back then. Oh, yeah, huge pop for X-Pac and the complete opposite for Hardcore Holly, virtually no reaction. This crowd, I will say, in North Carolina, if they liked something, they were so goddamn loud. If they didn't care about something, they might as well have not been there. The contrast in their reactions was very jarring and amazing. And also, fun side note, former tag team champions are going at it here oh. from 1995, you know, one, two, three kid and sparky spark plug. plug i think they had the belts for like i don't know one week or something <laughs> on anyway. an episode of superstar yeah, yeah i think it was <laughs> that is crazy um the crowd loves the bronco buster that was one of those things that i uh that i picked up on hardcore holly gets a chair takes an x-park to get the dq 
Polly then attacks X-Pac further after the match, only for Road Dog to come out and save him. Um, X-Pac moves through to the next round. Uh, they sort of lambast Hardcore Holly. Why would you do that to get yourself disqualified? Which does make sense. Terry Taylor even follows it up with a backstage interview with Hardcore Holly. Bob Holly questions like who Terry Taylor is, which I hmm. thought was ridiculous. Yeah, that was pretty funny. And, and then says that he hasn't forgot about Big Show, which this is Vince Russo crash TV at its very worst. Yeah, too many storylines crammed into one. None of it really gets time to breathe. And if you're wondering why there wasn't much to recap in that match, it's because its official runtime was three minutes and two seconds. Get used to that. Get used to saying, oh, and then someone ran in. Jesus. Mm. Uh, I will say, though, I thought it was uh, interesting. Hardcore referred him to himself as the big shot. That was a thing they tried getting over for a little bit. It didn't work. And they really, really forced, tried to get the big shot down there too. Mm. The only thing I can remember them trying to force that failed even more was Rock trying to introduce the catchphrase of popcorn fart in the Ruthless Aggression era. With Coach? Yeah. Oh, I hated that so much. That's one of the times where the Rocket felt like he was going to jump the shark. He didn't, (laughs) but no, not everything. Even the Rock doesn't have 100% strike rate. Yeah, exactly. We talk about uh, Bob Holly and his feud with the Big Show because we get a mini recap of highlights of the Big Show and Hardcore Holly's little feud of him on Raw, attacking Holly and throwing a car on him. Strange. Didn't kill him. He just poured, you know, tipped the car over on him. There was a lot of that in the Attitude Era where you could get a car tipped over on you or you were in a car like with Triple H and Austin with the forklift, which we'll see, you know, later on. But just, mm. yeah, you could go through these horrible things that would kill anyone. And you're just the, like back next week. The DX bus, oh, um, yeah. um, the ambulance with the rock in it. Mm. Uh, and that's just in the WWE. Let's not even forget about the the White Hummer. And oh, all which that we just WCW. saw. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, um, so it's Kane versus the Big Show in the next round. Uh, show is just overpowering Kane to begin with. Show, this is also the part where Big Show, he hasn't quite found his feet yet. It's it's just, he shed the giant. Like, that's, they've done so much to, like, completely strip him of that look. So he's a different character. You can tell that. It's very, very simple. Um, Kane does an enziguri, which is one thing that sort of stood out to me, which is really, really cool. And what happens is Big Show takes out the referee accidentally and gets low blowed by Kane. Hardcore Holly then comes out and attempts to take out Show, but Kane steps in and choke slams Holly. Kane then puts Big Show in a choke, um, in a in a chokehold. So it's the world's longest rest hold. Like hmm. that's a good duration of the match. And when you say chokehold, not like an MMA style chokehold, literally a one handed sort of Undertaker style choke. It gets so uncomfortable. The crowd just starts booing. This mm. match between the choke spot and the double big boot that they miss, neither guy kicks each other and they both fall down. What an absolute shambles. This is two for two of what on earth are you doing? This feels like a WCW show at this point. The interference, yeah. over pushing a guy no one cares about. Why would you have Hardcore Holly in two matches in a row? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and oh. his running is so ineffective as well. Oh. It's absolutely nothing. The only thing that's that Hardcore Holly contributes to this match is bringing in a chair so mm. Kane can then KO Big Show and get the win. Yeah, oh, he absolutely wallops Big Show. Got to say, <laughs> that chair shot he gives him, my God. 
it it was like it's not quite rock to Ken Shamrock, but it was in that vicinity, mm. definitely in that postcode. Um, next up, it's Michael Cole with Vince. Vince is adamant that Shane can't wrestle tonight and doesn't know what he's going to do. He blames Ken Shamrock uh, and calls for the EMTs. We should also point out that there are uh, earlier on in the piece, Ken Shamrock's like coughing up blood and EMTs are trying to attend to him. He must not have moved from that loading dock since Sunday <laughs> night heat. Let's say Sunday night heat was about half an hour ago by the time, you know, it switched over to the pay-per-view. Yeah, this guy's just been sitting in one spot spitting blood. No one has moved there more. Yeah. How many times did Ken Shamrock spit blood, though? That seemed to be like his go-to injury. (laughs) He wasn't a fan of blading, but he loved the the little internal little packets. Yeah, that's all he'd do, the little blood pack. Um, this, This next match, though... Billy Gunn versus Ken Shamrock. We've seen him wrestle a few times. They've kind of had an ongoing thing over the years. It's not the same at this point because you've got Shamrock as a good guy and Billy Gunn mm-hmm. uh, as the heel now. Uh, or no longer Billy Gunn. He's referred Mr. to on Ass. the show as only Mr. Ass. Or, mm-hmm. as Finks would say it, did you notice every time he announced that he said the word ass funny? No. He'd like really <laughs> shorten it. He'd be like, Mr. Ass, ass. Yeah. Like, like he didn't want to say, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Like, what... <laughs> like I'm not, I'm a professional. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, yeah. He didn't want to say ass and you know give it the full emphasis. But uh, yeah. And, and can I just say the logic of Billy Gunn? So Billy Gunn walked out with a tag team title belt. I, I was just about to mention that. Yeah, go I want to, I want to say, like, I thought, oh, wait, hold on. Did him and Road Dog just win it again, even though they broke up? No, so here's the story. Billy Gunn was in a six-man tag with the APA, who are the tag team champions. In the six-man tag match, Billy Gunn got the pin. So Billy Gunn took one of the belts and acted like he won the title. They then explained on the show, though, because he would be like, oh, well, that doesn't make sense. He's not really a champ. For some reason, they've said the next night on Raw, so the show after the King of the Ring, he's going to defend his tag team title belt against Bradshaw. What what is it, going on? They, they yeah. couldn't. I know there's a thing of like, oh, Russo left them high and dry. At this point, it felt like like if this is the best he could do, I think he was finally running out. I think they got rid of him at the perfect time. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like I I always use this analogy. Transformers one, um, like the movie that Michael Bay directed, was a masterpiece because everyone was like, huh. He didn't Michael Bay it too much. So they let him do what they wanted in Transformers 2 hmm. and he Michael Bayed it up. Yeah. It's like it's like Survivor Series 98 was like the pinnacle of Russo. And then WrestleMania was like the, oh, we shouldn't have let him do that. And now they're kind of <laughs> they're slowly bought in and they're just like, yeah. oh no, what do we do? Um, you know what? Unfortunately, now, now that I think about it, so the Royal Rumble 99 is a very fun show. It's a very weird show, but it was entertaining. Yeah. I know some people hate it. I think when we reviewed it, we all thought it was pretty good. I will say, WrestleMania 15 sucks. King of the Ring 99 sucks. SummerSlam 99 sucks. Survivor Series 99 sucks. The big four or five or whatever, depending on what you feel of Royal Rumble, 99 on pay-per-view, the big ones, aren't good. The TV is great. Raw is great in 99. I watched this back a couple of years ago. Very entertaining. The pay-per-views, though... They, uh, I don't know, Russo couldn't stick the landings this year. Well, and it's also, it, it's he also leaves them in a bit of a mess that they have to re- uh, retroactively that, work their way true. out of because Armageddon 99, let's not, let's not forget too, you've got the big show as champion, 
defending against Boss Man. Mm, like exactly. that's your that's your title match. Like I know, I know when you sort of think back to D Generation X a couple of years ago, it's Shamrock versus HBK. But that they've built up Shamrock. Hmm. Boss yeah. Man is, if anything, Boss Man's dropped his stock level. Yeah, if, yeah, if, yeah. Armageddon. If they did Armageddon '98, yeah, you could kind of see Boss Man as a player. Absolutely, there. they were really going hard with him as you know the enforcer of the corporation in '98. You know, he's mixing it up with Austin and whoever. But yeah. oh yeah, no. Nah, this year, th- these pay per views aren't all going to be good for the WWE. No, the the thing that gets that gets them, if anything, a tick in my book is the nostalgia factor. Because oh, I mean, yeah. I'm in year nine this year, so and I'm kind of this is the sort of era where I'm able to spend my own money and get more pay per views and stuff from the video store and get the, rather than have to bug my parents. So I've seen these pay per views a lot, and I I guess when you're 15, you're a lot easier to please. Yeah, yeah. Look, we'll get to the bright spots. There were some on this show, so you know it's not all bad. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So um, Ken Shamrock is still with the EMTs before the match even starts. He snaps, takes them out, and then heads to the ring. Uh, my King has a hell of a line here where he says, you know, he must be related to some postal workers. Did hmm. you pick up on that one? Yeah. Oh, my God. Which, I mean, that's one of those expressions, though. You would hear it a lot in wrestling or American TV, like going postal. But if it, mm. no one really knows what that means, it's a very dark reference that was just used casually in um in pop culture in the nineties. One hundred percent. Yeah. Say anything like that now. To to the point that there is actually a game series called Postal. Like it's crazy. Yeah, it's um, very odd. I can't think of the equivalent. I mean, I probably could, but you know, um, yeah. yeah, he probably <laughs> won't want to make that comparison. <laughs> this match though is three and a half minutes long, so. Uh, Yep. Not a lot to talk about here aside from Ken Shamrock selling his uh, blood spitting. Yeah. Uh, at this point in time, so we see Gangrel later on in the uh, in this pay-per-view. <laughs> Ken Shamrock is spat up more blood than Gangrel does. That's oh, how absolutely. much uh, we're going on here. But yeah, Shamrock's getting beaten down um, by Billy Gunn as he dominates. Teddy Long's the ref, who basically, as Shamrock attempts a hurricane runner, just calls up the match, says you can't do it. Um because it's Ken Shamrock, he snaps, takes out Teddy Long, and Billy Gunn moves on to the next round. It's yep. literally that simple. You could basically sum up all these matches in a sentence. Um, we then get to China and Triple H with Kevin Kelly. This is actually a good promo from China because she talks about, you know, back when she was a little girl, she wanted to be a princess, but now, now she's a grown woman. She wants to be a queen, which falls into the queen of the ring sort of yeah. thing. But Triple H... He still hasn't held the game persona yet. <laughs> I think we've said it like he was great in DX as both a heel and a face, but being a heel again on his own without the blue blood thing, without the DX stuff to lean on, he's really, I've noticed this in all of these promos so far. It's very cliche. Like he tries ending the promo on, you know, some something. And this one was like, I only, you know, walk to the beat of one drummer and that's me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He, he doesn't have it yet. He's good on the, like the delivery is fine. It's just the content. Uh, it's just a bit, bit average so far. They're definitely gearing up to push him though. They make a lot of references here that, you know, he's going to compete for the, the world title soon. So again, at least the progress is there with WWE. They're constantly pushing the, everyone who's next. Yep, and they always and the amount of times that you hear JR say, you know, young athletes, these young athletes, mm-hmm. bloody, 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 blah. Uh, that leads us to our next match, which is China with Triple H versus Road Dog. 
Road Dog does the New Age Outlaws spiel, as he normally does. And there is a good showing from China here. It is mostly her sort of beating Road Dog. This is actually a really good story because it it there's almost like, and it's a sentence that I never thought I'd say, an inner struggle within Road Dog of like, how do I fight a woman kind of thing? Yep. How do I fight a woman, especially one who is my friend for so many years? Mm-hmm. Look, this match... Uh, compared to what we saw earlier in the night. And I think the perfect match for this crowd in North Carolina, you know, kind of Southern wrestling with uh, Road Dog, who, you know, comes from a, the Armstrong family, knows what to do in this situation. And China can have a good match when she's in there with someone sort of really leading it. We saw that great tag match, you know, yeah. a few months ago with Kane and X-Pac and Triple H. This is China's, I think, most underrated match. This match was really, really good. Um, credit to Road Dog and Triple H, who was on the outside, and China as well. They kept it simple. Yeah, it was like straight up wrestling. You know, Road Dog's a bit hesitant, and then it kept building. We've seen this in some of these Triple H and China heel matches. They build it to where there's, you know, some interference, some, you know, sneaky tactics. And it was very fun. This was like, as a main event style match, this was one of the best matches of the night, I thought. It was because they pay off the story because. Uh, there's almost like a midpoint um, because China even does like mocks Road Dog doing oh, the shake, rattle, and roll. Huge reaction for her doing the shaky knee drop. It was really good. <laughs> um, China puts Road Dog in a sleeper hole, and the crowd fully gets behind yep. Road Dog, um, who then puts China in a chokehold. And JR has the interesting line of, "I wonder if China talks in her sleep." <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Triple H puts China's foot on a on the rope, and then Road Dog gets knocked out with a chain and puts China, um, and and that's where you think, okay, China's going to advance. But Road Dog kicks out. I Road thought Dog, it was over there. Road Dog gets a massive pop. I'm talking like Rock Hogan levels yeah. of pop. That it's was crazy, amazing near fall. Because even I thought, you sons of bitches, another bullshit DQ <laughs> uh, or run in, and I thought, oh god damn it! But when he kicked out. The pop was massive. And again, this crowd, if if something was good, they were willing to like it. And this match, mm. they were with the whole time. And that was the next chapter of the match. Once we had the kick out, HBK, the commissioner, comes out to another massive pop. And I'm going to yep. say it every time he comes out as commissioner. The reactions he was getting were still massive. People still Huge. treated him like a big deal. This, again, I think we've spoken about the narrative that, oh, Sean wouldn't have fit in in the Attitude Era. What are you talking about? He was in the Attitude Era. He was the commissioner. If he could wrestle, he would have been, again, he would have just been in the same spot. So huge um, reaction. He grabs Triple H and kicks him out. You know, that's always going to get a good reaction when you get rid of the uh, heel manager. But I thought it was a good twist after that too. Really, really good too. So Road Dog now has finally snapped. And when I say snapped, I don't mean like Ken Shamrock snapped. He's just <laughs> like, well, I'm going to have to actually wrestle. Mm. And that picks up to the perfect part of the story. Road Dog is a better wrestler than China. So when he tries to wrestle, he will do better than China, which is really, really good. Um, China then does what China always does and goes for a low blow. But um, Road Dog is wearing a metal cup. Oh, I love this ending so much. You know what's good about it too? Before the reveal of the cup, China sold her arm first that she heard yeah. it. She did yeah. a great job there. And the crowd's like, what the hell? And Road Dog didn't sell it. Then he turned around and slowly did the reveal of the metal cup. He hit just, you know, the pump handle slam or whatever. 
yep. huge reaction for the finish there from the re- the reveal of the cuff to the pump handle slam to the pin. Road Dog in China. This is one of the, I think, one of my favorite matches of 1999 so far. I love it. Just a perfect type of match. What's wrong with it? There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. It, it it tells a story so perfectly. And it just also goes to show, too, that Vince Russo did... When Vince Russo got stuff right, he really got it right. I don't know if this was a Russo thing. I you don't, don't think it, so? It felt too much like old Like a Patterson school. or something. Yeah, yeah. It felt like too yeah. much old school wrestling with the twists and everything. It wasn't a Russo-type swerve. I don't know. It just felt like the old things that should work. Mm. But yeah, I don't know. It, 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 whoever, whether he was involved, it, it was fantastic and everyone yeah. deserves credit. Great line from JR at the end as well, <laughs> saying we all saw China get it doggy style. You know? Yes. <laughs> kind of a bitch. Like I'd never noticed until we started watching these shows back how obviously King was the dirtier one, but JR mm. would sneak in a few too. Yeah, yeah. There, there was, there's a, there's a line on an episode of Raw that always stands out to me for a long, long time, where, um, uh, where Pat Patterson takes his shirt off and sort of does the Hulk Hogan pose, and um, and JR says something along the lines of, "Any single gents?" Oh, he would do that a lot to Pat. It was... <laughs> <laughs> um, so we then get to a rock promo with Michael Cole. The Rock says he doesn't care about the Brahma Bull logo being set on fire by The Undertaker. Standard Rock promos. I just should point out the Rock versus Undertaker feud led to some of my most favorite promos from The Rock, talking about his Mickey Mouse tattoos and his 33-pound head. (laughs) All all of those bits of the promos were legendary and everyone would quote them about, you know, rolling his eyes and, you know, talking in his sleep and talking in tongues. And the best one is, yeah... Where he tells him, it, out of all of the turn it sideways and stick it straight up your candy ass, telling him to roll his eyes and then roll his head, <laughs> catch it backwards and stick it up his It's so dumb. The Rock <laughs> doing these short promos during pay-per-views. No one has ever been better at it. Hogan mastered it, you know, in the 80s. The mm-hmm. Rock in the 90s took it to another level. Just put The Rock just somewhere in a pay-per-view. Give him two minutes backstage with Cole or Kevin Kelly or coach or whoever you got. And he is, yeah, uh, on another level. Um, Also funny to think he turned, you know, he was kind of heel. They teased he was face leading into Survivor Series 98. So let's say he officially turned heel in -hmm. November at Survivor Series. It's June and he's a face again. Or really turned face in May, but we didn't cover over the edge. But yeah, it was so quick and it was like, no, no, no. The Rock is just, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Not going to get booed anytime soon. Oh, spot on. Next up, it is the Brood versus the Hardy Boys. The Hardys making their pay-per-view debut here. And um, a bit of backstory behind the match. Uh, the Acolytes attacked both teams on heat earlier in the night. But the Hardys are in full WrestleMania 2000 on <laughs> Nintendo 64 attire here. Michael Hayes is with them. And this is just an, a very interesting match to watch mainly because we know what's going to happen, but watching it in isolation, there was nothing special about the Hardys. Like, you know, when they took their shirts off, it was just like, oh yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's so weird, isn't it? (laughs) Matt takes his shirt off and there is literally no reaction. And also, it's always funny seeing Michael Hayes dressed like a Hardy boy as well, (laughs) like wearing the same tight shirt and cargo pants. Um, Yeah, this match only goes for five minutes. There is not much to say. 
the moves all look good, but nobody is over to the point where they can get into get into the match without the contacts context and look we saw how over the brood were though in you know no mercy in the uk with a good you know longer match tell a story you know it was with the corporate ministry they had history but the hardies and the brood right now there's not much going on very much so um a cool little spot where michael hayes gets in the ring and gets a spear for his trouble there's another bit where the hardies do poetry in motion uh it's also still unnamed there's a bit where Jeff goes to do poetry in motion and Edge spears him off the turnbuckle in a very cool spot. Oh, that looked awesome. Yeah, yeah. And rightly so. Like it was that's kind of where they sort of find in their niche, like, this is what we're gonna need to do to, to stand out. What I found really interesting was so Gangrel accidentally sprays Edge with um with like the blood kind of thing. And then Jeff finishes it off with a swinging neck breaker for the win. Like it's not called the twist of fate and the commentary team just refer to it as just a swinging neck, uh, neck breaker. So the Hardys look like jobbers and they just wrestle pretty stock standard. They're not doing their crazy stuff. It's just bare bones Hardys versus a developing brood. Yeah. No one has signature move names. Everyone's just going through the, uh, the motions here. Not a, not a great match. It would get better soon with these guys, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But to be fair, I'm sure if we go back and watch Hulk Hogan's first matches, like no one would ever know Hulkamania was coming looking <laughs> at those <true>. ones. <laughs> um, next up, it is Michael Cole with The Undertaker. Cole tries to interview Taker, asking him about The Rock and and um, the charge-up of the Brahma Bull. And Taker has one of the weirdest analogies you will ever hear, talking about what happens if you take the balls of a Brahma Bull. Mm. Yeah, that's his ending line, and he doesn't say rest in peace. He just no. talks about ripping a bull's nuts off, and uh, he yeah. just walks off. It's also a weird, it's that weird attire of uh, of The Undertaker, too, where he's almost like in, like he's about, to, like he's just done gym gear, kind of Bray Wyatt-esque. Oh, like with the, the mesh yeah. uh, see-through Taker symbol on his chest? Yeah. Yeah, it's not good with the cut-off it's not sleeve. A good look. No, it's not. The real tight, <laughs> tight uh, spandex. Yeah, Taker was going through some stuff. Honestly, <laughs> I remember there was a feeling here because he had such a great 97 and 98 uh, and, you know, the, all the changes with his character. 99, as cool as the ministry was in the start of the year, by mid-99, it felt like The Undertaker had lost it. Yep. Yeah. So when when they say that the American badass uh, was, like, really odd, no. he The Undertaker is, like... You know, yeah. The Undertaker in its current form needed to evolve. But, Absolutely. Um, I'll take American Badass over 99 Taker any day. <laughs> uh, actually, no. The one thing I did like about 99 Taker, that cool little goatee he had. <laughs> the long goatee. Oh, <laughs> the and the Ministry go- theme song is one of the yeah. best ever. Yeah. The Ministry theme song is very, very cool. Um, We could probably sneak in this Vince promo here because um, Vince is out as they chant asshole at him. He's saying that Shane can't compete tonight and because of this, the handicap match won't go ahead. But Shawn Michaels, who I should also point out, is also in his WrestleMania 2000 alternate attire comes out. And there's a great line from King about losing his smile as well. Oh, yeah, which is pretty fun. A nice dig at Shawn Michaels. They bring it up later again too, saying, oh, (laughs) you know, he's made me lose my smile, which is good. Um, Vince says that because Shane, um, it, it's a really great sort of thing too, because HBK tries to say, no, no, you've got to go into the, into the, uh, match, but Shane says, I'll find a suitable replacement. 
as is what you wanted. Uh, so it's it's almost like a cat and mouse with Shane, not, not Shane, sorry, with Vince and HBK. Yeah, I, I kind of like this. There was a fun dynamic here because we saw it at WrestleMania as well and it would happen on Raw. But the sort of back and forth between Shawn Michaels and Vince McMahon as uh, dueling uh, authority figures was was pretty fun. I think, yeah, it's a shame Shawn wasn't, you know, in the best mindset because they could have got a lot out of this even back then because we saw what would happen when they wrestled eventually. And that yeah. was pretty fun. Uh, yeah, and obviously the years of history that they have between each other probably helped in that one. Um, we're back at the desk now. JR throws the final four of King of the Ring. One thing that I did like is that they still make King of the Ring seem like a prestigious kind of accolade to have, which is kind of good, which leads us to our first semi-final, which is Mr. Ass versus Kane. Uh, that almost throws all of the uh, the prestige out the window there, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. When you're talking about Mr. Ass competing for mm. King of the Ring. Oh, jeez. Um, so Kane is very much in control here. Spills to the outside, but Billy Gunn drop kicks the staircase into him and then sort of changes the momentum a little bit. Uh, Billy Gunn then starts ramming Kane's head into the ring post and Kane does a fame master reversal, which is pretty, pretty cool. Um, he then drop kicks Billy Gunn on the outside. It's a real garbage match because Big Show then comes out, nails Kane with a chair, almost gives himself a, a receipt from earlier, and Billy Gunn gets a huge roll-up and gets the win. Yep, another five-minute tournament match, nothing to talk about, and it had a bullshit finish again. Yeah. What are we doing? Why even have the tournament? Sounds. <laughs> it really looked like no one wanted to do this, so they booked mm. it in the worst, quickest way possible. Like, ah, whatever, just get it over with. Uh, One fun bit of commentary, at least. JR asks King if he has a copyright over the title of King and if he would sue over the name. And that that got a laugh from King. And he says, I guess I would. It was kind of an inside (laughs) reference to when uh, Lawler did sue the WWE in 87 over King Harley Race. (laughs) not being allowed to wrestle in Memphis with that name because it would create, you know, confusion in the market. Brand confusion. Because only he is the king of Memphis. But that was pretty funny. I think JR got king off guard there. Um, I love when JR used to do that. It was yeah. always good fun. Because um, he did that just so subtly as well. It didn't, yeah. wasn't like, a, it, uh, it was just really great. Um, Kevin Kelly is then with X-Buck and X-Buck says that Road Dog is a friend and is really cliched. It's like almost these... These little backstage bits are almost like SmackDown cutscenes. <laughs> yeah, it felt like it was written by a computer. It wasn't the best uh, promo. He just said, oh, we're good friends and, you know, may the best man may win. May the best man win. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, just awful, awful stuff. Well, no, it wasn't awful. It was just boring. It was just like, oh, well. Um, X-Buck versus Road Dog is the second semi-final. X-Buck comes out, no fuss, no pyro. As Jay even points out that this is the last King of the Ring of the millennium because 1999, remember, we were still headed to that mysterious year 2000. <laughs> Where cars would suddenly start flying. And, uh, um, this match, though, I, I was looking forward to this because I thought, okay, Road Dog in China was good. Maybe I forgot this. Maybe this is a, a bit of an underrated classic. X Puck and Road Dog. Why wouldn't it be good? They got the chemistry, the history, the the talent. This went for three minutes as well. What is yeah. going on with this goddamn King of the Ring tournament? And not only that too. How much did did Road Dog on botch his promo with Kevin Kelly? I know that might be one of the worst. <laughs> 
This show it's... is this show is Bizarro Land for Road Dog because he has a great wrestling match and a bad <laughs> promo. Normally, people expect the opposite, but yeah, don't know what was up with that promo. It sucked too. Yeah, it it is very much a um, it, it's a it's a throwaway match here. It, it might as well have been on Raw. In fact, it should have been on Raw. There's yeah. a great little pump handle slam reversal into an X Factor, and post match Road Dog shows sportsmanship, and as Jr. says. Because he goes and shakes Xbox and like, you know, congratulations. The best man did win. Good on your Xbox, et cetera, et cetera. And JR points out that it's a great lesson to kids at home. Of how I, to thought, lose with grace. I thought that was great. DX, who were the, you know, examples of bad behavior for so long now. JR's like, come on, kids. That's how it's done. Look at these guys as your inspiration. But yeah, Xbox winning in three minutes. Oh man, Russo can't leave quick enough. Like, goddamn, <laughs> this yeah. show. I actually um, took we... a break. I will say this is the first WWE show in a long time that I had to take a break and couldn't sit through in one go. Well, you did better than I did because I literally got up to, I reckon, part one of my watching <laughs> was after um China Triple H and the Road Dog. And then I got to the Brood and Hardy Boys and sort of went, okay, that's it after that. <laughs> It's time to set that, set it aside for a little bit. If you're in that mood, you can't watch, you can't take notes, you can't enjoy it. You just get everything. Antsy. Just yeah. everything is just like, what are they doing? Why am I watching this? Yeah. <laughs> um, we then see a look back at the road to Taker versus Rock, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier, Simon. It's cool to sort of see how Triple H is slowly getting elevated up the card by being included in this feud. There is shades of Taker versus Triple H versus Austin at No Mercy UK because they sort of control C, control V that match, except substitute Austin for The Rock on an episode of Raw. And they actually do it pretty well too. From what we saw in those um, clips of that Raw main event, that looked good. Mm. Um, Um, This this feud looked entertaining as well with The Rock and Undertaker. Not really a memorable feud in that, oh, you know, they're not seen as one of each other's great rivals. But they had good chemistry. It's kind of a fun contrast. They're such a different characters, especially here. The crowd wanted to enjoy this one. So they got into it because, again, like this was one of the bright spots. It's The Undertaker yeah. and The Rock. You'd hope it would be good. Better than The Undertaker's past few matches that we've seen because he's been, you know, with the boss man and it hasn't, and the Shamrock match where they did mm. submissions. It's been a bit weird with The Undertaker. But here, He's WWE champ. Again, we should mention he won it at Over the Edge, which we didn't yep. review, obviously. Mm-hmm. But yeah, The Undertaker defending the title against The Rock, at least everyone's into this. What's what's an interesting stat? So I'm, I made note of this. This wasn't mentioned by JR or commentary or anything like that, but um, they do mention how The Rock's 27. Uh, it's what brought it up for me. So at 27, The Rock's only three years in the WWF, and he's already a three-time champ. Meanwhile, Taker has been there for eight years, and this is only his third reign. Well, his first reign, you can't even really count because he won it on a Sunday and lost it on Tuesday. <laughs> How old is The Undertaker here? I don't think he's actually that old either, though. No, I don't think so. Because he debuted yeah. really young. Like, that, that's mm. the other thing, you know, people don't realize. He was around for a long time, but he started young. Uh, these two had a good, fun stupid match they had a good match in spite of how stupid yep parts of this match was uh i will say though king brought up undertaker's promo about the um bulls balls yeah jr's like 
because King was like, oh, what did he say he was going to do to him? And JR's like, you know, he said he was going to cut off the Brahma Bull's testicles. And, <laughs> yeah, and he... King just lost it. And he was like, you can't say that word on TV. <laughs> because JR really accepted, like, testicle. Like, yeah. he fully just, like, in his southern accent, just fully just, like, it cuts through really it bad. It really did. Um, before the match even starts, take your clocks the ref from behind and then um, basically just walks into the rock, um, walks into a rock bottom for a three count. But because the ref is down, um, another ref comes out, Paul Bearer takes him out. The action spills to the entranceway, which really does seem to be the style at the time with these uh, these matches. But hey, look, it worked. The Rock's main event style was basically do a little bit of stuff in the ring, then go to the entranceway. Oh, him and Austin both. That was sort of the main event style. And that's why their matches together were so great. Um, you had, you know, each guy being the best at that, the, you know, walk and brawl. And this was a fun one. Um, JR had to cover for some of the logic, though, as to why there was no count out or DQ. Yeah. And he's like, oh, the referee, you know, is is with them on the outside of the ring. Instead of counting, he's trying to get them to break get it back up. In. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's trying to maintain order for the WWE Championship match. And then um, King, though, then takes a shot. I think King was taking a shot at the booking, though, because he yeah. said, oh, and, you know, it's not a knock the ref down match either. He even knew who hit him and he didn't DQ them. You know, yeah. <laughs> they must have been thinking, what? This doesn't make sense, but we've got to call it somehow. Yeah, because there are multiple uh, ten uh, ring out counts if you did yeah. apply wrestling logic to it. Um, the when they do get back into the ring, the Rock uh, reverses old school, and um, which still isn't called old school. No, uh, I don't know when they refer to it as old school. I is think it when once, he comes back once, as Taker. No, once he's the American badass. Ah, yeah. yes, because okay, it was like yeah, him going sense. old school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That does make a lot of sense there. Um, yeah, a lot of the match happens to the outside. Um, the Rock does the water spit in the face of the Undertaker, but there is a cool spot on the outside where the Rock he's got he's got a chair and he's about to take out Undertaker, but Taker blocks it with the ring bell. And by wrestling figure, uh, by wrestling physics, the chair bounces off the ring bell and then that takes out the Rock. Yeah, yeah. Somehow he hits the ring bell into the chair into the Rock's head. <laughs> Uh, it gets a big reaction. Everything in this match was getting a huge reaction. It's fun. So look, at least the crowd's into it and there's action and some entertainment for this one. And then, just to make it sillier, Paul Bearer takes off his shoe and starts beating The Rock with it, which is such a good visual. And the best part is JR is so outraged at it as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's got a shoe. And what about King? King says that Paul Bearer is a nutritional overachiever, which... What a line. It's great. And the other part of the, the bit of that is also amusing is that so we get another ref bump and then we're into the people's elbow. There's a pin, but once again, there is no ref. Undertaker low blows. Um and then Paul Bearer introduces a rag that he's doused in ether. <laughs> Which really we we've seen this happen to the Undertaker before with um <laughs> Giant Gonzalez at WrestleMania 9. It's Dude, so what the hell? Yeah, this match is so dumb. The, the old rag of ether or, or what is it? Chloroform or whatever. Chloroform or whatever. The, the announcers would always have to be like, oh, we can smell it from here. Oh, it's so yeah. strong. No. 
And my favorite part about that is like, so when The Rock then puts it on um on Undertaker, he sort of drops the rag near um near Taker's head. So for mm. something that's so strong that's knocking out KR uh, that JR and King, mm. Taker's just like, ah, oh, whatever. But yeah. now we see this is another injection of Triple H here. He comes out, does a pedigree on the rock and JR's hate of Triple H is so legendary. It is just, even in the, its early days, it's just forming here, but it is still fantastic. I reckon this might be the start of the where it really ramps up because I think that surely this is one of the first times he calls him a no-good, lousy son of a bitch <laughs> because he would call Triple H a son of a bitch so many times. A son of a bitch. And there is even a, an episode of Raw, um, and and it's... When Triple H has the motorhead theme, that it's timed so well that after Lemmy, he sneaks in a, you son of a bitch! And then it goes back to, <laughs> I am the game. <laughs> he got the cadence so well, but... um, A tombstone on the rock ends it, and it's a win for Undertaker. It's it's nice that Taker's still using the tombstone here as well, too, because he nails it pretty well. Mm. well. But what I thought was weird about the ending, though, so... Uh, take has been ethered. <laughs> take has yeah. been ethered. The rock has been pedigreed. Um, Taker gets an arm on the rock first, and the rock kicks out. And you think, oh my god, the rock's gonna make a comeback. No, nah, Taker just picks him up and uh, tombstones him. Tombstones him. <laughs> just felt like a real, uh, like uh, what a weird way to end it. But you know what? For what it was, this was more fun than ninety percent of the show. So fine. Yeah. At least it was yeah. something. It was really entertaining, and the and the Undertaker almost. Um, it was one of the few, like you said, Undertaker's had a spotty record in 99 so far. So I'll happily take this match over his uh, last couple. But this also leads, had some storyline implications because Triple H is then being ejected from the arena by Shawn Michaels. Vince is up in arms because he's like, that's my partner. That's my partner. And HBK is like, you don't think I didn't know that, you idiot? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He says, he goes, no shit, Sherlock. And it's good. Yeah. I like that it's... Vince and Shawn Michaels would just keep out smarting each other it's a shame it didn't go further but yeah they, they had great chemistry um that was fun did you notice the rock awkwardly in shot just as they were about to cut at the end of this i don't no. think he knew though he's just got a towel over his shoulder and i think he spots the camera and gives it a look <laughs> like oh no and he walks through a door oh that's brilliant um we then have the king of the ring final which is x park versus billy gunn uh billy gunn says that he's going to go for x park's neck um, X Pac, though, I gotta say, is bringing his absolute A game as uh, Billy Gunn works on the neck. There's a fame master on X Pac, but he kicks out, um, which I think it's the first time that we've seen that, isn't it? Uh, possibly. And then X Pac hits an X Factor right after, mm -hmm. though. They just hit finishes in mm. two minutes, and you're like, oh, how long is this gonna go? Not long. A second yep. rope fame master from Billy Gunn in five minutes, and it's over. There is the crowd just could not care less about who is King of the Ring this night. They didn't care and, about any King of the Ring match. And you know what? There's not even a coronation. Billy Gunn just basically, there's not, they don't <laughs> even, they, it's just like Billy Gunn just leaves. Yeah. Yeah. No, someone really didn't want this tournament to happen on this night. They're like, oh, yeah, we'll give, we'll give him 20 minutes in total and get it over with. What What is hilarious though, there are two bits, at least on the binge feed, that had to be beeped out twice. Billy Gunn, gets beeped out twice because I guess he called bullshit. And then X-Park obviously calls Billy Gunn something on the top rope before we get that super famous. Mm. That gets beeped out. But um, 
Uh, we then get towards our main event. We see the build-up to Vince and the higher power. Still, as I watch it back, it is one of the cool bits of the Austin McMahon rivalry. I love it. It's I loved it back when I was a kid, and I love it now. It's just It still takes me back to that memory of going onto the WWF.com AOL chat, uh, chat board and asking like the American fans there, like, you know, hey, guys, does anyone know whose teddy bear that was? And they're like, it's Stephanie's. It's Stephanie's after seeing it on... Um, on superstars yeah look all of the stuff in the promo video was great because yeah the tv at the time was very entertaining iconic stuff was happening every week for months we had steph kidnapped we had you know the higher power reveal we had uh where to stephanie with the undertaker <laughs> in the limo all of this stuff was awesome you know the wedding the the dark wedding and austin you know having to help mcmahon reluctantly and then austin as ceo those vignettes were fun all yep. of that was good. This show, though, is a different story. So. Oh, very much so. Yeah, it was. It's it's almost such a it's such a weird thing with like the pay per views where you could kind of miss it. The TV, yeah, definite must watch. It was so strange. Um, so Mr. McMahon is out first, and the suitable replacement for Shane. If you want, if you want to get an idea of just how like meh this pay per view is. He names the replacement for Shane as Steve Blackman. And, and it's that... not even the cool music Steve Blackman. <laughs> he still doesn't have the drum drum music. Imagine <laughs> that was the replacement and it was Steve Blackman <laughs> in the main event. He might as well have been at this point. Yeah, because at this point, uh, you just didn't care. Like, they should have just brought back Savio Vega. As the... <laughs> <laughs> He's the go-to replacement in every match. Now, here's a bit that just caught me off guard because I forgot this even was a thing. GTV sees Shane and the Main Street Posse uh, backstage and Shane's all hunky dory. He's all good. But uh, HPK, because of obviously seeing GTV and seeing that Shane's okay, makes him fight in the main event. Yeah. Drags Shane out, actually. It's quite funny. Yeah, it's a good segment. And they play Sean's music this time. He gets a big reaction again, pulls Shane out and says, you know, you've got to wrestle. Tells Blackman to get his G.I. Joe looking ass out of the ring, which <laughs> got a big reaction and he got a HBK chant. It was fun. Again, look, Taker and The Rock was entertaining and felt like a main event. This did too. Because again, this crowd, they were silent for all the King of the Ring stuff. But when they were into something, they were fully into it. When Austin's music hit, he got an Austin level pop. Like it was Huge. insane how loud it was. And look, it's Austin versus Vincent Shane in a ladder match. What on earth would you expect? But this was as good as it could have been. And, you know, for what it was, of course, with these guys, it was just a fun, stupid brawl around the ring and, you know, up the aisle and everything yeah. else. The McMahons clearly have absolute zero disregard for their health and well-being. I mean, we saw at WrestleMania, the, the weird COVID WrestleMania 36, um, Vince at 70 doing a dive off the um like to show to uh, rob ronkowski like hmm. you know see simple it's fine <laughs> well look at one bit because it's a ladder match the theme for the entrance was a big ladder scaffold structure austin throws vincent chain so hard into these ladders hmm. they just went full force into them yeah they could not care less and then it was a fun stunt he pulled each ladder out bit by bit by throwing him into it then he yanked one last ladder and it all collapsed like, yeah. you know, like a, an earthquake on top of Vincent Shane. That got a massive pop and a fun spot. That's what this match was. It was just these big stunts. Austin jumped off a ladder through Shane on a commentary table. Like, that was kind of yep. cool. Obviously, he didn't go from the tippy top like, you know, Jeff Hardy. Yeah. But it still yeah. looked really cool. 
Um, yeah, I've put uh, others on the domestic table too, not the Spanish one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, there's a there's a bit where Vince and Austin are up the ladder, and Vince pushes Austin off the ladder. Vince then gets the ladder in the ring, but Stone Cold low blows him. The crowd is hot for every yeah. single moment here. So, like anyone that's got come, like because there's not a lot of wrestling going on, but you know what? No one wanted to see Austin wrestle McMahon. Like they weren't expecting, <laughs> you know, Steamboat Savage. No, <laughs> exactly. It's Vince and Austin. They just want the story. They want the payoff. They want, you know, Austin to get revenge every time. And look, there was a bit of fun. Obviously, Vince and Shane, you know, they'll always do some silly stuff. Vince, when a when one of the ladders was broken, Vince tries giving Shane a boost by the foot to reach yeah. the briefcase. And oh, then he puts him so on his good. back for a piggyback. <laughs> and, you know, the cl- classic Vince reaction, Austin taps Vince on the back and Vince does the big, you know, bug-eyed, you know, big gulp. <laughs> sort of reaction it was good it is it is hilarious seeing shane on vince's shoulders like sitting there like a child trying to get the briefcase it's one of the best visuals you'll ever see um but so there are two stunners there a double stunner and austin tries to get the briefcase but by god it gets lifted up out of austin's reach good god almighty who's doing this they're screwing austin Mm. um did we Shane ever officially find out who was messing around? I always heard the rumor was the boss man, but I don't think that's an official thing. No, I th- I think they retroactive. I think someone might have, I don't know, if you had to delve deep into, like nothing official, nothing ever has official been said, but I think, no. you know, rumor and scuttlebutt, it says, oh, it was meant to be the boss man, you know, yeah. da, 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 da. but even that doesn't really make sense. Like, oh, goody. You might as well put Steve Blackman. In. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You might as well imagine. put the boss man in the match. You know? yeah. What's the difference? If anything, boss man would make more sense than Steve Blackman. Yeah, I know. Exactly. He was their guy. Um, but anyway, so Shane goes up the ladder and the briefcase is lowered and he gets it. The McMahons win and the pay-per-view just ends abruptly. Just ends. No celebration, <laughs> no revenge, no little tag on the end, nothing backstage. Just over. And you know what? That's how this show should end because, mm. oh, terrible. It was almost like Vince made the call as he's in the ring. Like, you know what? I'm not feeling it, pal. <laughs> just, let's just go home. We'll start again fresh tomorrow. Look, the main yeah. event was fun for what it was. Just a kind of dodgy ending, similar to The Rock uh, and Undertaker. The fun match, but sort of let down in parts. This show yeah. was not good. No, no, it definitely isn't. The if you if you have if you don't have the nostalgia goggles of watching WWF in nineteen ninety-nine, um, because the bits for me that were highlights were bits where I go, Hey, I remember that. Hey, I remember that. Like that's that's the highlights. See, did you watch this show multiple times? Uh no growing up? No. I only got okay. it once from the video store. But the thing is, I knew what was gonna happen because I'd already seen it on Superstars. Yeah, yeah, that makes I can sense. S- I can still remember the stills because remember on superstars, they wouldn't show footage from the pay-per-view, mm. just the stills. So a lot of stuff I'd be, my brain would go, Oh, that's right. I remember that bit. But I remember when I watched it, it's almost like when you, uh, how do I put it? You know, when you've seen a movie a lot of times and it's just like one of those things that you put on the mm. background. And when you're a kid, you never paid attention to anything. It was just like, it was there. It was something you do. So there was a lot of bits where I'm just like, I remember that bit. I remember that bit. I remember that bit. So, there's a different nostalgia to like when I watch WrestleMania 17 compared to the, the nostalgia watching 1999 pay-per-views. Yeah, this uh, one for me though, like I would rent shows multiple times. There are shows yeah. I've seen at least five, ten times or whatever. Yeah. 
this is one that even as a kid, even what June 99. So I turned uh, 12 a month later. So I was 11. And even at 11, I knew this show sucked. This was one that I never watched again. It stuck yeah. with me that this one's a bad one. And watching yeah. it again in 2023 didn't change my mind. <laughs> I'm sticking yeah. to my guns. Not a yeah. good show. But you know what? I'm pretty sure Fully Loaded 99 is a better show. And here's here's the irony of it too. So, and we're actually as a as a make good for um for Jack, we'll get him on to watch Fully Loaded 1999 because mm. uh, we have to make it up to him. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's a good one. He won't be let down. So here's the thing about Fully Loaded 1999. I've never actually seen it. Oh wow! Okay, it, it didn't it didn't come to the uh well, it didn't come to the video store, and because it wasn't a big four pay per view. It was just like a oh yeah yeah I you saw let the it go. highlights on yeah I saw the highlights on superstars I know what happened you know but like it's so I'd be very interested to go in it with some fresh eyes to see how we go cool uh, but before we get to fully loaded nineteen ninety nine we got to talk about um what we thought about MVP in this one I'm gonna go the road dog for having you know one of China's best matches ever I don't know yeah there is <laughs> what else he meant to say on this show. <laughs> This is this is how much I'm clutching at straws here. I'm going to give it to the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, because it shows. Oh, I was actually in, thinking him too. Yeah, yeah, because like even though he's so that like he every single segment that he's in, he outshines everyone. The crowd loves it, and he fits in this era so well. Yeah, that's true. Actually, you know what? He brought energy to everything when he did the run in to you know uh, eject Triple H. Got a huge mm. reaction. It was really fun. When he was backstage with Shane McMahon and with Vince McMahon, it was, you know, a lot of fun. And then when he, you know, brought Shane back into the ring. So, yeah, he still had it even just as a character and, yeah, brings the charisma that Billy Gunn only wished he had in 1999. <laughs> Isn't it funny that Billy Gunn seems more entertaining now in 2023? Like he said, yeah. he's got more of an it factor now. What happened in 99? He seemed cool in 98 and just 99, something happened. Yeah. Yeah. The poor dude. Uh, he didn't, he, he never really, that, that plane never really righted itself because when DX turned heel in 2000, he was the first one to get booted. Yeah. Well. He always, he still felt like an odd fit for some, something just was off. Well, I can't mm. wait till we get to SummerSlam 99 for Billy Gunn and the rock. You know, he's one big main event pay-per-view match. <laughs> but yeah, um, our next stop on the uh, on Reliving the War is actually Bash at the Beach, 1999. Uh, that pay-per-view will officially signify the full three-year cycle that we've been doing this show. It all, of course, started with King of the Ring, 1999, and, uh, sorry, King of the Ring, 1996, and Bash at the Beach, 1996, the birth of Austin 316, and the birth of the NWO. And it's interesting to sort of see, we can kind of do a quick little recap on that. We'll do it for WCW when we get to Bash the Beach, but it's interesting to see how light years ahead WWE 1999 is compared to WWF 1996. Like, they've really taken leaps and bounds. Everything feels fresh. Everyone is pretty much a different character at this point. So much progress. Some guys are gone, but everyone who's there feels different. And that's really important. WCW, we're not seeing enough of that. And then we're also just seeing, yeah, weird decisions being made. And yeah, it's not good. But we'll definitely do a debrief of 1999 WCW in uh, Bash the Beach 1999, which is the next episode of Reliving the War. You can catch up on our entire back catalog by going to Grey Wolf ENT on the socials. But 
For Simon Tackler, I've been Nims Azor. We've been reliving the war, and we'll catch you next time. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network. GreyWolfEntertainment.net.